0: Praise the Lord. Well, this morning, we're going to be continuing in a series here in the book of Jonah. If you'll turn into Jonah with me, please. I love the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters. It's a great book. Yeah. (laughs) Happy birthday! Way! Fantastic! Go for it. Natalie is 10 years old. What a happy birthday. Awesome. And her official birthday is tomorrow, correct? Yes. 10, ready? On the 10th, golden birthday. Happy birthday, Natalie. That's awesome. You're a whole decade now. That's, a, oh man, happy birthday, sweetheart. We're so blessed for you. So we're turning in the book of, of Jonah. And I love the book of Jonah. It is a fantastic word from God. Um, Unfortunately, the prophet Jonah himself is something of a failure, and uh, he does boneheaded things throughout the whole story. Um, He is a lesson for us, but he's also a great example for us. And as we look at this book, not to live our lives by Jonah's actions, but to see what God's character is like and God's actions. And that's why I love this book so much. We named our second son Jonah. Jonah. Because, uh, because of that love for seeing the gospel portrayed in this beautiful book. And so we have looked already for a couple of weeks on what's happening here. And so just to refresh your memory, Jonah is a prophet. Um, the, best, the best way to think of a prophet is a mouthpiece for God. They speak for God. It's an office. So it's a person who's been called to speak on God's behalf. And the best way to think about a prophet, especially because we tend to have a lot of cultural things, or uh, church history things about prophet that cloud our minds. The best way to think about a prophet is a prophet is God's lawyer who's brought in to speak on his behalf to bring people back to the constitution that he's given them, the covenant. So the covenant is like God's constitution. He says, you're going to be my people. I will be your God. This is how you live. That's what covenant is. The reason we're called New Covenant Church is because the way that God relates to us is through that covenant. It's the constitution by which we can come before him. Because he is the creator and we are creatures. He is ultimate holiness. He is holiness. And we are fallen. We cannot have right relationship. We cannot come before God. We cannot just usurp on his holy throne, his regal majesty, without the covenant, which is the gospel. It's the, it's the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and how God has called us to himself through Christ to make us his people, to form us into his body, the church, in which he would relate to us. And ready for this? Make us his bride, that we would have a regal standing with him. How incredible is that? Wow, that's its own teaching. So Jonah is God's lawyer, and he's speaking and he is preaching uh, and speaking in Israel. And he's talking to a guy named Jeroboam II, who's the king of Israel. Uh, Jeroboam is a bonehead and does some good things and does a lot of bad things. And eventually Israel will fall into judgment for all of the evils that it is, it is doing. Um, and at this time, though, God calls Jonah to do something really special. He says, leave the Israelite people who are the covenant constitution people of God. And instead, I want you to go into the Assyrian empire, who don't know God or not his people, into this town called Nineveh, which is a big, important city like a New York. And I want you to tell New York, Nineveh, about this impending judgment that they might repent. And what's Jonah's response, do you remember? Nope. He goes nope, and he turns around and goes the other way. Now, if your job description is mouthpiece, and your response to God is nope, does not go well. So he tries to flee. He goes, uh, finds a boat on the Mediterranean, goes to the opposite side of the known world and uh, a place called Tarshish. And partway there, God throws, hurls, is the word that the book uses, a great storm, a tempest upon him. So much so that it's threatening to break up the boat. And so Jonah says to the people, eventually he's found out, and they ask him, What, what are you? What's going on? He says, Well, mouthpiece of, of God, I'm running from him. And they go, What? And they say, who is this God? And they say, he's the God of creation. He's the creator. He made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that's in them. <laughs> what? What do we do? They says, well, throw me overboard and then the Lord will stop this raging against you because you are being indicted for my sin. That's, that's big things right there, isn't it? Yeah. So they throw him overboard and a great fish swallows him up. And God miraculously preserves his life for three days and spits him out where, guess where? Back where he started? Right on the shores of Nineveh. And so here he is, one way or another, he's going to be the mouthpiece. And so we've picked up the story now, right after Jonah has a great prayer. And so he's prayed this prayer of thanksgiving and deliverance. Um, There's a few things missing from the prayer we talked about a couple weeks ago, though, like repentance. Lord, I'm sorry I went the other way. He doesn't say that. Last week, we had the blessing of Dr. Adeline, our apostle, come and speak to us, and he talked about prayer and how to pray through uh, different creeds in the church and, and the law and the Lord's prayer and things like that in a way to, to orient our minds and our hearts and our thoughts toward God, which is awesome. And so right on the, on the heels of talking about Jonah's prayer, wasn't it refreshing to be able to talk about how do, we, how do we pray well then? And now that we've done that, we're coming into Jonah chapter 3, if you'll read with me. And Jonah actually shows up on Nineveh. Just to remind you, here's what Jonah 2.10, which is the last verse in chapter 2, it says this, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. And then chapter 3.1 starts like this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going about a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What a a positive message. (laughs) Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth and the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it throughout all of Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And God saw what they did and how they had turned from evil and from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Praise the Lord for his word. You know, our God is so kind. He's so merciful. You know, something that's interesting in this, we've, we've pointed this out a little bit before, but um, one of the things when I read Scripture, one of, my, one of my goals when we preach is I want to tell you how I read the Scripture so you can just take the things that I learn and do and how I do it, then you can apply them. So one of the things that I notice as we're doing this right away from the beginning is that the word of the Lord, and notice the Lord is L-O-R-D, all capitalized, right? So this was called the Tetragrammaton. This was the Hebrew way of saying the official, uh, covenantal, constitution name of God, Yahweh, I am that I am. It's a play words on the Hebrew word to be, because all being comes from God. He is self-being. He is it himself, and he's the one who gave us life. So wrapped up in his name is, I'm the creator, you're the creature, I'm over you, I'm self-existent, you're dependent on me, and I'm coming to you that you might know me, all in that name. And so the Lord himself, the official king, regal, majestic title of God, is being used by his very own name to come to Jonah for the second time. And Jonah doesn't deserve it. How many times have we prayed as Lord Lord, just to hear a whisper of what you would say to me. Lord, just to hear your word. And he's so faithful because I want to tell you, he does give us his word. He does speak to us. Jonah is hearing audibly God's voice. And he has literally turned his life and turned in disobedience and run from God. Though he knows, he's a prophet. He's not just a guy. He's heard God's voice. He's working in the courts of the king. He's speaking on behalf of God. He is important. And now for the second time, God in his mercy has not just, you know, the fish could have just eaten him. Probably would have been good in some ways. In the sense of the fear of God. I, how many prophets do you think God has? He doesn't have just one. He's the self-existent God. He's the one who gives us breath. He doesn't need us to do everything he wants to do, because he can call anybody he wills. And yet in his mercy, a second time he calls Jonah. That gives me hope, because boy, sometimes I'm a bonehead. Sometimes we're all boneheads, aren't we? Sometimes we tell God, nope, and we run as hard as we can to Tarshish. We do that ideologically. We do that physically sometimes. Have you ever been in line somewhere and God says to do something and you literally change lines? Just, to get, I gotta get out of the situation. And yet, if God will call Jonah again and not let the fish eat him, what kindness, what mercy does he have? You know, some of us, you may be feeling like you are in the belly of a fish right now. You may be feeling like you're partly digested. And I'm telling you right now, remember the mercy of God. If the Lord told you to go to Nineveh, the fish is going to spit you out at Nineveh. And then once you're there, we can know the graciousness of our King and our Lord who is slow to anger and didn't let the fish eat Jonah, but instead called him a second time, though he didn't deserve it. How incredible. Wow, doesn't it just, it just makes my heart worship, doesn't it? To know the mercy and the graciousness of our God. So that word Lord is really important because as we get down in further into the story, we see it again in verse three. So Jonah went, this time he's going to obey. And it tells us that Nineveh is a great city, three days breadth journey in, in in its distance. And so notice for a whole day, Jonah doesn't really obey. He goes into the city about a day's journey before he starts saying anything. It's interesting because he doesn't even obey right away. He waits until he's kind of in the middle of the city. But he obeys according to the word of the Lord in verse 3, L-O-R-D again. And now Nineveh is that exceedingly great city. And in verse 4, it says that he's going to call out. And notice what he calls out. Does he call out? The Lord loves you. The Lord is merciful. God wants to make your life better. God is for you. If you just wash your hands and clean your face, that cleanliness is next to godliness. You're going to know his blessing. If you run your business and your institution according to the Bible, you're going to be blessed. Here are ten principles of leadership according to Jesus that's going to make you prosperous. God has promises over your life. He's going to fulfill those promises, Nineveh. He has seen your cries. He's heard your prayers. He knows your bills, and he'll pay them all. He doesn't say any of that. What does he say? Forty days from now, you're all going to die. That's what he said. The city will be overthrown. In this context, it means a militarily a uh, military victory will happen that will not be yours. And you're such a great city, three days' breath, big, huge giant army you're big popular everybody likes you you're a big important part in new york city and i'm telling you in three days you're going to go down in ashes in 40 days you're going to go down in ashes that's the message now that's not a real great winning kind of message is it it's not winsome but what did god say God said, and he calls Jonah the second time in verse 1. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. And now Jonah takes a day, but he goes and he calls out the message that God said, because he's the mouthpiece. And what's the response of the people? From the greatest to the least of them, they immediately repent. Immediately. And that repentance looks like sackcloth, so they take off their nice robes, they put on itchy clothes that are not nice, they humble themselves. So instead of being the great affluent city that they are, this is an affluent city, and instead of coming with their opulence before God, they're coming in humility to say, Lord, we're reducing ourselves that everybody from the greatest to the least is wearing sackcloth together that's uncomfortable. The king himself is going to sit in ashes, they're fasting. They're not drinking water. They're coming in desperation before ready for this? A God they do not know to cry out for His redemption. I find it striking. In verse 5, yet forty days Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 6, the people of Nineveh believed... Who do they believe? God. What, how, does it, how is it spelled in your Bible? Because they don't know Him. They don't know the official name. They've never heard Him say, I am that I am. They know He's the Creator. They know He's God. They don't know Him like the Israelites. And we see that displayed when the king starts talking to the people in verse 9. And he says, Everybody, turn from your evil. Wear the sackcloth fast. And then in verse 9 he says, Who knows? Maybe God will relent from all these things. Because he doesn't know God. Who does know? There's only one person in this story who knows. It's Jonah, because Jonah knows him. And Jonah is even going to say later, which we'll talk about next week, that this God, our God, Yahweh, who is who He is, I am that I am, it's Jesus, it's Him, it's God Himself. He is gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He's relenting from disaster. And Jonah knows these things. If you were to hear a message, hey guys, I got a big tip for you. Big tip. Tomorrow, the banks are going to be wiped out. Wiped out. I know it. Tomorrow, it's happening. I have it on great authority. What's the first question you'd have? What do I do? Tell me what to do. What's what's safe? Tell me what, how do I respond to that? There's only one person who can do that. And it's Jonah. And so the king, though, somehow, he knows just to humble himself before God. And what I'm telling you is this, is that even though the message is not winsome, even though this is not the most eloquent, perfect words, even though Jonah is a bonehead, even though Jonah himself had to be restored back to his office of prophet. Even though Jonah takes a whole day before he even says anything about it and goes to the center of the city walking a one day. Even though all those things happening, it is clear that God has gone before Jonah and has already touched the hearts of these people. Because they hear in one breath in one breath that God is going to bring judgment on the city and immediately they repent. That is incredible. It's incredible. And what's sad is that sometimes we have, as the church, taken our proclamation of who God is, knowing Him, knowing Jesus, having had experience with Him, knowing His Word, following Him and being discipled and coming to the Word all the time. And the best that we can do is have a billboard that says Jesus on Highway 44. And that's it? That's the whole message? Or all those things that I, I said to you before, that's what the world thinks the gospel is. How sad is that? We have to tell the whole counsel of God. Do you know the whole counsel of God is that the Lord God has saved us from his wrath through his son, Jesus Christ. That if we're not in Jesus, we are, in, uh, we are objects of his wrath. I was talking to my daughter just the other day. We were driving, and um, she's, she's a wonderful God. She's such an inquisitive spirit and a great heart. And she was saying uh, about, to the other kids, I overheard her saying, you know, policemen and firemen and all these people that serve and like EMTs and all this stuff, if they, if they go and they do something great and they die in the process, a fireman runs into the fire and saves somebody and the process sacrifices his life, he's going to go straight to heaven. There's a pass. And you go straight there. And so I, what did I say, sweetheart? Do you remember? I said, that's not True. Because the best that we have to offer, the best that we can do, the Lord judges us on all our actions, and the Bible tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that we can do to earn God's salvation that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. But there's a big question there. What are we saved from? Are we saved from our own stupidity? Are we saved from the bad things that happen from... Actions that we're ashamed of? Are we saved from wandering on the earth and not knowing what God's doing? No, we're saved from the wrath of God against all that sin and falling short of his glory. We're saved from the wrath of God from being rascals and rebels against him. And the only way to know that salvation is through Jesus Christ, who God sent, to take all of the wrath of God upon himself for us as our substitute. It's incredible to think about the mercy, the long-suffering, the kindness, the grace of God in the gift that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life and yet, though innocent, died for us and rose again that we might have life. It's too common for us to make excuses, to think that that we can just say nice things all the time instead of actually telling the truth. One of the reasons I think that we're struggling today, and I say struggling in the sense of our nation, there's all kind of craziness happening everywhere, is that people don't believe in sin. They don't believe in it. They believe in personal choices, and they have their personal choices. As long as they're not hurting anybody, it's fine. But it hurts people. Sin hurts everybody. And the truth of the matter is, we don't need to be hitting people with Bibles. We need to be messengers and mouthpieces to be what the ambassadors that God has called us to be, to demonstrate what righteousness looks like and to explain to people the whole counsel of God and what his perfect law looks like. You know what it looks like? It looks like Jesus. Unless people can measure up to Jesus, not to us, to him, then we are all guilty before God. And that's the truth. So it doesn't mean that we have to be walking in front of people saying, in 40 days you're going to be overthrown. That's not the message. But the message is, do you know Him? Unlike this king who says, who knows? If you're questioning who knows, let me tell you, I know. I can tell you who He is. And I can tell you why you're outside of it and you don't know Him. It's because unless you bow the knee to Jesus, you're not going to know His peace. If you want joy, if you want life in your life, you have to come to He who is the joy, who is the life. He is the only way. He is the truth. Unless you come to him, you are lost in darkness. Let me explain to you from the word what that means. And we know already that God has gone before one of the greatest cities in the ancient world that even without knowing who his name is, that he's changing their hearts. That's incredible. And it gives me hope that if God can use Jonah again after all of his failures, he can use us again even if we fail. And we can say even sometimes the wrong thing. But if God goes before, if God goes before, you know, Jesus said it this way. He's sending workers into the harvest. And you know what? It is important to sow seeds. We need to be telling the word of God all the time. But also, do we have faith knowing this God, knowing the covenantal God, that if he goes before people like this, that he really has a harvest for you. That you're going to reap those people that he's already calling to himself. And that just by saying a few words, they're going to immediately say, I, I've never known that, but I've known that forever. Who, who is he? Tell me more. Because isn't that a heart cry? For everybody? And aren't we just terrified that they're going to say, no, you're stupid. No, that's... You haven't read the science reports. Or whatever. And then we don't feel qualified. We don't feel ready. We don't feel set to be able to defend the faith because what if they what if they start citing reports and things? I don't know. And National Geographic, I, I don't know what to say. It doesn't matter. The Lord calls who he calls. Just be his representative. Tell them about what God's done in your life. That's what Jonah's missing. And here's the crazy part. The king sounds just like those sailors. When they threw Jonah overboard, when they say, uh, Jonah says to them, throw me overboard in the And the the tempest will stop. They throw him overboard. And right before they do that, they say, who knows? Maybe, maybe God will relent if we can pray and do the right thing. Jonah says, throw me overboard. That's the only way. They say, okay. And as soon as they do and the storm stops, immediately they make sacrifices and they make vows to God. And so twice now, twice, Jonah has seen the miraculous redemption. I mean, this is like revival that's happening just out of the blue. And ready? Even out of his disobedience. That's incredible. So where does our faith rest? Does our faith rest on that we're going to say the right thing or do the right thing or we're going to get through this or I'm going to know enough someday that I'm going to finally be able to talk about it? Or does our faith rest on that we know him? And that when people say, who knows, we're quick to say, I know. Let me tell you about him and just bring them to Jesus. Also, are we telling the whole gospel? Or are we just skipping all the judgment part to get right to the love part? Because it makes a people who are myopic, makes a people who are so nearsighted that they can't see anything down the road. They can only see what affects them here. And well, I don't feel God's love today? Because all I see is this. I can't see farther than right here. And so in my own life, I just need to feel his love. Because you told me if I just bowed the knee to Jesus, I'd have love. And I don't have love. I don't know what's going on. And yet, at the same time, they're living lives that are totally contrary to God. And they cannot understand why they're being disciplined. And ready? It is his love to discipline them. Isn't that wild? But how will they know without a teacher? How will they know unless they come to the Word? And our culture does not like to read anymore. They just don't. The librarian is agreeing with me, so I know that's true. So what do we do? Here's what we do. Trust God. You know him. You know him. If you've heard his call, if you have bowed the knee to Jesus, if you've heard him say, you are my son, you are my daughter, then trust him. Trust him that he has already written his word on your heart. Trust him that every time you come to the Bible, you're going to see his gospel pouring out of the page that's going to fill your heart, trust him that as you soak yourself in the word, that then when somebody says, who knows, the word of God will come up out of you. And suddenly you'll be saying things and diving into mysteries beyond what you've even known because God is faithful to his own word, to his own mission, and he's faithful to call us and use us even if we're boneheads. And if you feel like you are stuck in a fish right now, Because you knew you were supposed to go to Nineveh, but instead you tried to go to Tarshish. Expect soon that God will spit you out right on the shore of where you need to be. What will you say? What will you say? If the Lord in his grace comes to you again and says, do this, let's be quick to obey him. What does that mean? It means our friends, our neighbors, our family, people around us, tell them the truth about Jesus. Here's what I found the best place to start. Can I tell you what God's done in my life? just start with that. It's your testimony. Here's why I know him. Here's why I'm a Christian. You should come with me, meet God's people, sit in my house. Let me tell you about the word of God. I'll tell you everything I know. And when I'm at my limit, I'm going to introduce you to the Chenaults. They'll tell you everything they know. When they're at their limit, they're going to introduce you to the Schmidts. They're going to tell you everything they know. And it just, that's how the body works, doesn't it? And we build in friendship and relationship and covenant and we feel that God is pulling us up and all of a sudden we have fruit to show because of all the things that God's doing in our lives. is that awesome? That is the heritage that we see in Jonah. That God would even use a bonehead. Man, he's so good. He is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. If you feel like you're on the brink of disaster, humble yourself before him. Trust him. You know him. That's who he is. He is so good to us. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you have called us to be your people, to be your bride that we might know you. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves before you now, and we ask you, God, help us to honor you today. Lord, help us to speak Your Word in truth. Help us to speak the whole counsel of God through Your Word. I pray in the name of Jesus that every one of us will be filled up with a spirit like Christ, not like Jonah. That, Lord, according to Your anointing, according to Your Word, that we would be bold, God, to do all the things that You've called us to. Lord, forgive us for being boneheads. Help us instead, God, to be be close to You in all things. Fill us afresh with Your Word that it might pour out of us to be a blessing to everyone around us. And we thank you, God, that you are faithful to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.